Nat Tentitio. Now, how's this for a show pitch? A writer, played by Anna Kendrick, finds out her boyfriend has a sex doll. Then she becomes best friends with her. The sex doll. Yeah, I raised an eyebrow when I heard that one, but I was also very intrigued. What is this? Glitter? Are you cheating on me? I have a sex doll. You what? I'm having like a nervous breakdown. My boyfriend's sex doll is talking to me. But I have news for you, babe. We're all sex dolls until we topple the patriarchy. That's great. You're a feminist sex doll. Dummy is one hell of a show from Cody Heller, whose past credits include The US Wilfred, Kidding, and Deadbeat. And it sounds absurd, but it's actually a really self aware comedy about kink, sex, female empowerment, and the anxieties of being a woman in the entertainment industry. And the moment she found out her boyfriend, writer Dan Harmon, who you might know as the creator of Rick and Morty and Community, uh, has a sex doll. So for this bonus episode, I caught up with Cody to find out all about it. Cody, welcome to The Hookup. Thank you, Nat. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So this premise is is wild and I'm so excited to get into it with you. It is like loosely based on your own life experiences, right? Like what's the story? Like how did this all go down? So basically about five years ago, I started, I was, I was a writer. I, like you said, I wrote on several shows, Wilfred and uh, the other shows you mentioned, but um, Wilfred is based on, on, an Australian uh, show originally. So that is of, of note, but um, <laughs> I was a writer and I had a, a writing partner and we enjoyed a great career together from the time I was probably 24 till around 30, we were writing partners together. He was a guy. And um, at the end of Deadbeat, like a Deadbeat was a Hulu show that we did together. And by the end of that, when I was about to turn 30, I was, or I just turned 30, I was like, you know what? I need to go off on my own and be a writer on my own. I really want to write more female centric stuff. And so um, we decided to part ways as a writing team and simultaneously, I just started dating my now fiance, Dan Harmon, who is, you know, I don't know if, if Australians are familiar with him, but he um, created community and he uh, is a co-creator on um, Rick and Morty. And he had a podcast called Harmon Town. And he's in, in compared to me, he is way, way, way more successful. He's older than me. So we had just started dating. And so these two things were happening at once, me having to go off on my own and be my own writer and me dating Dan, who I was very intimidated by as a writer. So my agent said I needed to write a new spec script. A spec script is basically a, a fake script of a, pi a pilot script that you write, that you use as a sample to get writing jobs on other shows. And so I was like, yeah, no problem. I'm, you know, I'm a professional writer, this is no problem. But I had been so used to writing with a partner for so long that I found myself getting just really stuck in this writer's block and really scared about Dan's, what he would think of my first thing that I wrote without a writing partner and how he would judge me. So that was something that was going on. And then at the same time, when I first started dating Dan, we decided to do things very differently than we had in the past in our past relationships. And we were like, let's from the start, be very like, so honest with each other. Let's tell each other everything. Let's tell each other what kind of porn we like. Let's watch porn together. Let's tell each other our darkest secrets, the stuff that like we haven't told anyone. Let's just put it all out there. And one of the, and this is like 
our first or second date, literally. And one of the things that came out was that he had a sex doll. And at the time I was living in New York, shooting the third season of Deadbeat. He was in LA. So we were kind of in a long distance relationship. And honestly, when he told me about the sex doll, I totally was just like, no big deal. Who cares in real? And by the way, this is, I'm not betraying his trust in any way. This is something it wasn't for him. This wasn't a secret that he was telling me that he hadn't told anyone. This is something that he like had talked about on his podcast, Harmontown. And it was the thing that he was open about. So he told me about it. And my initial instinct was like, it's fine, whatever. It's a sex doll. I gave her like a name and joked about it. And it was just this funny thing. And I was like, I don't care. And as the relationship progressed and I moved back to LA permanently and we started being like a very serious couple, I found myself at night, like when I was at his house, I would be thinking about like, where is the sex doll? What closet is she in? And like, I had never seen her and things would happen. Like in the pilot, there's this moment where Cody, the character played by Anna Kendrick, who's based on me, Cody, um, finds this piece of glitter on the bed. And that's like a real thing that happened. Like I found this glitter and I was like, what is this from? And it became this thing. And I was like, wait, does she sleep in the bed when I'm not here? And like, I just found myself totally obsessed and just consumed by jealousy and just could not stop thinking about the sex doll. And so one day, and meanwhile, I'm trying to write a pilot. I'm really stuck. I'm just not, I'm working on this other pilot that I'm not making any headway on. I'm just really stuck on it. And one day I'm alone, I'm stoned. I go on a hike in Griffith Park. And I just had this thought of like, what if the, what if the sex doll like came to life and we were, you know, we started talking to each other and it was, I mean, there were so many elements of it where it all kind of came together, but that's basically the origin of it. But I, I just, I, you know, it became like this idea of like, I need a writing partner because I'm used to having one and I don't have one now. So I'm kind of creating a writing partner in the sex doll, which by the way, I still never saw the sex doll. She's now gone. Um, After I wrote the pilot, he got rid of her. Not that that was my intention. I was not trying to king shame him at all, but um, (laughs) it all just, I just, it poured out of me and I just wrote this thing about what I, what I was feeling like and what I felt like being a woman and what I felt like you know, dating someone who was so much more successful than me and the pressure of that and the idea of like what it is to be a woman and why I was so hung up on what I looked like and why it was so important for me to write something good so that I would be more important than the sex doll who is obviously going to be hotter than me because she's a sex doll. So all these things just sort of came together at the, at the same time. And I, and I wrote this pilot and then I was like, you know what, I'm just, who knows what I'll do with this. It, it kind of was just meant to be an experiment of this thing that I was just going to write and then throw away and just get it out of my system and then go on to write something else. And I finished writing it and I was like, I kind of like this. And so I showed it to Dan. Obviously I was like, I'm not going to ever without your permission, because the names are literally Dan Harmon and Cody Heller. Um, so I was like, of course I would get his permission. So I, I let him read it. And his reaction was just, he was so supportive and thought it was so funny and great. And then I was like, this is going to be my sample. This will be my sample to get jobs on other shows. And then I got really lucky and had a meeting with uh, this guy named Colin Davis, who was a, an executive at TBS at the time. And it 
turned into a show and then TBS, it died there, which is, you know, very common it, it, when you're making pilots, sometimes they get picked up and then they die and all these things happen. But at the end of the day, Quibi was where it, where it landed. And Jeffrey Katzenberg was um, amazing in that he saw the, the, he saw something in this crazy, bizarre pilot that I had written and was like, I love this. I want to make this. So that's kind of the the origin story. Because when you hear that premise, you do think this, what? <laughs> like, how is this going to work? I, I, I remember like talking to friends about it and going, okay, there's this thing called Quibi and it's got this like bonkers looking show where Anna Kendrick like is best friends with a sex doll. And it was just like, how is this going to work? And then I watched it and was like, this works incredibly well. Like, you'd be surprised, like, how amazingly well, like, the metaphor kind of comes together. And I wanted to I wanted to talk about, like, your reaction to the sex doll and the feeling of jealousy that you had. Did you ever – did you kind of look at the way you were feeling jealous of a sex doll and think about the absurdity of it and the way that I guess, like, we as women can – feel like we're competing with all of these um, like sexual products, I suppose, like that, that we put ourselves there up against porn actresses and, and sex dolls and all of these like catered, like ready-made kind of sex consumables, I guess. And it's, it's easy to, I guess, feel like you belong in that category, I suppose, um, and, yeah. and consider yourself that way. I don't know, like it just got me thinking about a lot of that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just me really having a real look at myself and being like, why do I objectify myself? Why why do I put place so much importance on my sexuality as a currency? And why is that so important to me? And I think in writing this show and making this show, I really worked through some deep issues within myself and came to a sort of peace that I don't think I would have ever been able to come to without having done this artistic expression, you know, sort of experiment where I was like, let me just work through all this shit and figure out why it is, why, why would I, you know, why would I have this jealousy? Why would I be obsessed with this thing? And I think it is because we are so conditioned as women to see ourselves through the male gaze because as long as film and TV and media in general has been a thing, we have predominantly been shown through the male gaze what a woman is supposed to look like and what is she what she's supposed to be. And you know, I thought, oh, well, I'm different than that. I'm all about bo- body positivity and I, you know, I see the beauty in all women and I'm over that stuff, but I wasn't, I, I still, and to this day, I struggle with it. I don't think it's a thing that just you get over. I think that our culture is defined so much by how we think we are supposed to react. We're supposed to act and look and look and be according to how men have uh, shown us on screen, what is desirable. And that is something that as a storyteller, and a writer and a filmmaker and an artist that I hope to continue questioning and, uh, you know, just looking at and being like, what, why is that? And how can we change that? Because that is not a healthy thing for anybody. Yeah, I think it's one of the first shows I've looked, I've, I've seen that I think really addresses that the internal sort of struggle about that, that women, that all women sort of experience that everything is sexualized around us. So how, how do we 
you know, move forward, I guess. Um, like, you know, there's there's a lot of commentary in the show about Me Too and its impact on women and, and the like. And I guess one of the things you think is, cool, we, we had this watershed moment. We should be moving forward. We should be moving on. But the work hasn't been entirely done within us all yet. You know, we're still catching up as people. Completely. Yes, I agree. And now I think, you know, since the time that I made the show and now with the Black Lives Matter movement, I am also now being like, oh, me too is one thing and and women is one thing, but like, there is a whole other thing here. You know, when I made Dummy, I was so proud and patting myself on the back of like, oh, I have all female, like very predominantly female crew and every, uh, the, the head of every department is a woman. And I looked at myself hard you know, this past when, when everything happened in here in America with George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement. And I was like, yeah, Cody, how many how many uh, women of color did you have on your crew? And I, I have to do better. And I think that's part of this revolution that we're going through right now, which is just we all need to do better. White women, especially we need to we need to do better. We need to look at ourselves and say, here's the privilege we have. What are we going to do with it to make things better, to make things right? And uh, so it's been a really interesting year. Yeah. <laughs> to it's been an interesting lifetime. To say the least. Um, and on the point of the sex doll, because, you know, you had so much of a hang up about this this thing. Um, and then you had to drag one around on set and work with it and and be around this kind of object um, of, of, of sexual gratification. How was that for you? How was working with the sex doll on set? Was it kind of like a bit of a exposure therapy, I guess? Well, okay, there's a couple of things. So Anna Kendrick, who plays me, so when she signed on, then we needed to find our Barbara, who's the the role of the, the sex doll. We needed to find who was going to play Barbara. And obviously a sex doll is, you know, on screen, but we had to cast an actress who was not only going to be the voice, but we are going to use her expressions um, to animate the face of the doll. And we found um, the most amazing, incredibly just genius comedic actress in Meredith Hagner. So she plays Barbara. And basically what happened was a couple of days before we started shooting, me, Anna, Meredith, and our amazing director, Trisha Brock, we all met up for a rehearsal. Everything was so rushed because it was, we had a, everyone was going off to do different movies. And so we had very limited time. We shot the whole thing in 18 days, but we had this one day of rehearsal. So the four of us, these four women, we met in a hotel room and we brought a sex doll, one of the sex dolls. And we all were like, let's rehearse with the sex doll. And the the thing that was most striking is how difficult it is to maneuver the sex dolls. They're so heavy. You cannot, you can't, you know, so Anna was trying to pick up the sex doll and she's so small and, and little that I was like, okay, she can't pick it up, but surely I, I can. And so I tried to pick her up the sex doll and I was like, oh my gosh, it's so crazy that these things, they're just dead weight. They're just so difficult to maneuver. So the joke on set was just that like the sex doll itself was the diva because it would take so long to place her and get her into where we, and get her wardrobe changes. Everything took so much longer than a regular actress. So we had, I think four different sex, like the same, they looked the same, but four separate sex dolls because they get so easily like marked up and gross. Like they are just really difficult. So it made me really have a lot of 
respect, I guess, for, <laughs> for the men or women or a per- people who do have sex dolls. I was like, wow, it takes a lot of commitment to upkeep these things and keep them clean and dress them and put them into position. And that was really interesting. But yeah, I wasn't, I think once I wrote it, once I wrote the pilot, I think a lot of I, I my demons were exercised in a lot of ways where I sort of was just like the shame of being jealous of the sex doll was no longer my private shame. And it was sort of like, I'm admitting I'm jealous of a sex doll. And so I think once I did that, then working with the sex doll itself was no longer like a taboo, uncomfortable thing. It was more just like funny and fun. And it was just so fun. It was, I mean, Anna and Meredith were just so incredible together. They just had the most amazing chemistry and we just had the most amazing 18 days of my life truly making the show. So it was, it was really special. And I want to say magical. It was just like every day I drove to set being like, I am finally like doing the thing that I want to do with my life. I love everything. That's great. And it all came from a sex doll. Um, (laughs) I I love that too, because um, it seems like, you know, being open about the anxieties around these things and these kind of really um, still very stigmatized things that we don't talk about particularly openly, like kink or whatever. Like I still think conversations about sex dolls still have to be kind of comedic because people can't handle it. Um, you know, yeah. really talking about these things in like a serious way. Yeah. And and I watched um, so many documentaries about men who have true relationships with their sex dolls. And I never judged those. I mean, I watched them and I was like, this is so enlightening and amazing to watch and, and understand the viewpoint of these people who who connect with, who, who, who feel like they cannot connect with real women. And so they seek this out. And for them, they treat these sex dolls as if they are their true partner. And it's a really fascinating, beautiful, and, you know, to me a little bit sad, but, but I, I'm again, not judging those people at all, but it's just a fascinating thing that I'm, I'm very interested in. Yeah. Well, how do you see your show kind of normalizing these conversations around kink and, and sex dolls and like alternative sex lifestyles in relationships and just more broadly? I would say the thing that I have learned that I would love to pass on to people is that I I think it is so important at the beginning of a relationship to really talk and be honest about stuff because I think it is so much harder later on once you're already in a relationship to then say, by the way, I have this this kink or this fetish that I didn't tell you about, because then it feels like you've been keeping a secret and that's dangerous and can, and can feel scary to the other person. And so I really do think that the more honest and upfront you can be with both yourself and your partner or your partners or whatever it may be. um, I think that that really leads to having a happier, more fulfilling relationship. Um, And another thing that I will say is that when I first started dating my now fiance, um, we, he had just gotten out of a, a marriage. He was, he was married and we, we met and it was very soon after. And I was like, this is, seems like a rebound thing. This is crazy. So we decided to go to couples therapy before we had any problems in our relationship, just as like a relationship building tool and just be like, oh, we're not even in a fight. We're just going to couples therapy on a Saturday. And then we're going to go to brunch because this is just part of us building up our 
our toolkit of how to get along as a couple. And I found that to be, I mean, if you can afford to have couples therapy as a thing that, you know, if, if it, I don't know how it works in Australia, but in America, you have to pay for it. It's not usually fully covered by insurance, but, but I really recommend to all my, all my friends who are getting into a new relationship. I'm always like, go to a couples therapist just as like a fun thing so that then you work on tools, you work on communication, you build the fundamentals of how to have a good relationship. And then later, if you do have a problem, then you already have this established relationship with this person who understands your backstory between you two. But yeah, in terms of the fetish kink stuff, I just feel like, you know, there's, I've always felt, I remember being in past relationships and like, being jealous of a partner watching porn. And now I'm like, that's crazy. Of course, everyone watches porn. I I would watch porn, but I would still be jealous of my partner for watching porn. That's crazy. That's my own insecurity that there is, you know, such a difference between a partnership, a relationship and novelty and sexuality and exploration. If you establish rules and boundaries and everyone is comfortable and there's consent, I really feel like we can um, break away at some of the taboos that create problems in relationships and marriages that, you know, are just totally because of our own, just not being able to be like, let's just be honest. Let's all just be honest about all this stuff with ourselves, with our partners, with our friends. And I do find also with my friends, like one thing that really was such a huge factor in my, um, immediate bonding with Anna Kendrick was that in our very first meeting, we barely talked about the script. We just started talking about like what kind of porn we watch, our fetishes, all just this stuff that, you know, I feel like if you, if you allow yourself to be vulnerable with your friends and say like, I'm into this thing that, is it weird that I'm into this one kind of thing? That's like, you know, whatever it is, uh, fill in the blank that ever you'll find that people it's, it's not so uncommon. It's not something to be ashamed of. And I feel like so much of our culture, culture is so much of the darkness of our culture involving sexuality is because instead of people feeling free to share their their fetishes and their kinks it turns into this dark demon inside of them instead of something of like oh there's a fantasy life and then there's real life but like it becomes this darkness instead um so I'm all about openness honesty and just like putting it all out there and saying, I'm into this. I don't care if it's weird. I know a lot of people are into it and that's fine. And even if they're not, that's fine too. Oh my God. I couldn't agree more. Normalize everything. Shame is the greatest enemy. That's absolutely hundred yes. percent true. And a beautiful place to leave it. I think, um, Cody, thank you so much for, um, sharing those beautiful words uh, with us on the hookup. Go watch dummy. It's incredible. Um, Cody, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much, Nat. It was such a pleasure to be here. And uh, Australia, we love you. Please let us have citizenship. Me and Anna Kendrick love to come there. Um, America is a disaster right now, and we would love to just come live there permanently. You can watch the first episode of Dummy right now on YouTube. You can also uh, stream the whole series of Dummy on Quibi, um, which is a free app you can download right now up until the 1st of December 2020, uh, at which point it's um, shutting down. Uh, Quibi is shutting down in Australia and internationally. Uh, no word on what's going to happen with the series when the app does shut down, but you do have a uh, a bit of time to go catch up on it if um if you want to go do that 